What is up? What is up? What is going on today? It's Monday, so you know what that means. It's another episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. This your boy, Daydream. And your boy, Steven. Man, we got so much to talk about today. Um, a lot of reviews about this coming to America. Uh, what else? Um, alphabet community in the pulpit. That, that's a subject that most people don't want to talk about, but it needs to be addressed. Um, George Floyd Bill and what it means for black men. Shoot, you might as well say for black women, too, because we in this together. And Michelle Obama is in, as they say, is in an uproar right now. Or people have mixed reviews about, well, she's being blasted, I should say, about Dwayne Wade's son, Zaya. Yes, I said that correctly. Dwayne, Dwayne Wade's son, Zaya, saying that he is a role model for women. Also, we're going to talk about, this is funny. A college football player takes a drug test, but the results will shock you. Other, you know, other sports things, you know, we're going to talk about so much. Um, first off, let's talk about coming to America, coming to America, from the island of Zamunda. What are your thoughts? Man, I watched it. I enjoyed it. Um, they really tried to mesh the 80s concept with today's concept. It was a, it had a couple of blemishes, but overall, I actually enjoyed it. It had me laughing. I was rolling. It, it brought back the nostalgia, um, but it also had a little twist on things. And my perspective on it, I enjoyed the movie. It was a good movie. It was, it was a, a, a uplifting movie in a time that we needed an uplifting movie. Yeah, a lot of people are saying it wasn't like the first one, but you have to think about it. The first one was made in '88, mm -hmm. right? So most of us, if we were born, like I was five years old when it came out. Well, we both were five years old when it came out. We're clearly not the same. We're not the same people we were when we were five. Nope. So, people are, are trying to compare this movie to the first. You can't compare the movie. Instead of looking at things from a negative perspective, I'm not saying you, but a lot of people kept saying that, you know, that we're just trying to compare it. But I think we get so wrapped up in what we see today with these reality TV, uh, TV shows and movies and the 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 negative effect of of how black people are viewed that 
we can't be looked at it in a positive light. You know, uh, Hakeem had a son that he didn't know about, went back to America to go get him and to give him the, to give him the life that he has in the sense of that. Yeah. He was trying to change him, but as we all know, you can't change people. People, you have to let people be their own selves and, and help them grow. So, yeah. I mean, it's coming to, I thought it was a great movie. Hands down. Can't tell me differently because it was a great movie. I watch it again and again. And yes, the nostalgia and things like that. I thought it was funny. Wesley Snipes should definitely get a nomination for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, he did that. General Easy was a fool. I I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Um, word of advice and try to watch it with your little ones because they will repeat some of the stuff that's been said in the movie. Um, Robin repeated. Well, I'm not going to say what she said, but yeah, can't watch that movie with, with little ones that, that, that can talk and understand what's being said. So, Again, it was a great movie. I enjoyed it. Probably going to watch it again. And now, that's not going to make a Coming to America 3. That, you know. Yeah, 2 is enough. It, it served its purpose. I mean, we are not the people we were 33 years ago. And shoot, most people weren't even born 33 years ago. <laughs> or even able to remember what happened. I mean, they've watched it as they got older. And be like, oh, it's a good movie. You know, but you no, know, we're we're living in times where things evolve, but everything can evolve because things are supposed to be a certain way for a reason, and that's why we go into our next topic: the alphabet community in the pulpit. And when I say alphabet, I mean the LGBTQ community, LMNOP. Um, I'm gonna let. Steve go first on this one. Tell me what your thoughts are. When uh, I was discussing it with my wife and she we was coming up with topics for this week and she said that I was like, you just going to bust across the head with a skillet, huh? But the most powerful thing about human beings is we have the powers of interpretation and perception. And we can interpret things the way we want. We can perceive things the way we want whilst ignoring the rules of a thing, you know. Um, I see that folk who are in the pulpit and they are gay, lesbian or whatever, tend to neglect some of the rules. They take them out. Of, they say it's taken out of context and yada, yada, yada. But these rules are specific. <laughs> and. The teachings are specific. Shouldn't you be able to follow those teachings to a T? You have to set the example. If you're not setting the example, maybe you need to not follow the same religion as everybody. And like we say, perception and interpretation. Create your own. Create your own ideology. Because it's not fair to sit up there and say that I'm a sinner who's in this pulpit and... I'm going to omit this sin. It's the same thing as saying a thief being a prophet. But when you speak, speak, speak scriptures about a thief, the thief ignores it. 
So folks say they omit the information or leave the information out or times are changing. No. If these are the rules of this specific situation or this specific idea, you need to follow them. You don't need to bend them to your will. If you have to do all that, you might as well create your own religion. And that's what most people have done anyway, because they don't want to follow the teachings and, and the lessons from Christ. They want to come up with their own religion because, well, if we do this, we don't have to do this. That's why you got the Baptists, you got the Catholics, you got the Muslims, you got the Israelites, you got the, the Protestants who are also Baptists. Um, what else is out there? They got regular Muslims, black Muslims, Buddhists. They got all these other religions and they're all tied to God, but some of them kind of somewhat do away with Jesus. But, you know, so I don't believe, and I'm saying believe, not thinking, not, oh, I'm straddling the fence on this. I believe deep down in my heart they should not be in the pulpit, period. That doesn't mean I hate you as a person. That doesn't mean that you're a horrible person. Or anything like that, but I feel the same way if a, if a if a pastor or preacher is in the pulpit and he's committing adultery, or if he's having sex outside of marriage, I feel the same way. So it's not like I'm only against a certain type of people. I'm that way across the board because it would be for instance if I'm preaching and I'm up there and I'm doing something that people know about that I shouldn't be doing. Someone. If not my wife, because my wife tells me everything. She's very transparent. That's what I love about her. You know, tells me something that I'm not doing. Okay, I need to regroup, step down, and let someone else fulfill until I get myself together. And isn't it crazy how that was a preacher a couple of years ago? No, I want to, you know, maybe, you know, a couple of years ago, he was not in the right spirit or connection with Christ. And he decided to step down so he can get his mind back right. And being in the spirit of people uh, castrated him to be like, oh, you shouldn't have to do that and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, in, in order to to have God's will over your life, you have to be in a place where you can fully focus on him. So it will be beneficial to others because everybody's watching your fruit, especially if you're a pastor, preacher, if you're a speaker. If whatever it is you're doing, if you're a father, mother, or uh, an adult, people are watching you in every aspect, in in the job world, at school, wherever you are, people are watching you, and they're watching your fruit. That's why I always have to be careful with what I say, what I do, where I go, and everything like that, who, who I'm in conversation with, who I hang out with. Like, all of that ties into to everything I say and do as I'm... Trying to advance the kingdom. So, again, alphabet community, no offense. Please don't take it that way if you're listening. I don't. I believe. I believe. Yeah, I believe you should not be in the pulpit. But it's the same way for a pastor, preacher, anybody that's committed adultery. I, I, I feel the same way about John Gray. Let me just say that, you know, he's cheated on his wife multiple times. You should not be in the pulpit in the pulpit preaching because how can you preach to somebody about about being emotionally involved with another woman and you can't help some and well let me take that back how can you help somebody deal with their emotions 
or get them under control if you don't have yours under control. Boom. So, you know, that that, that that's what it comes from. Because it can be the same thing for 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 me. And I'm just saying that example. This is not what's going on. I'm robbing the church for money to to, to help my, my need. And I'm up there preaching about not stealing because the biggest robbery happened every Sunday. Most people don't even know that. But that's here, no there, here, no there. So, but how, how can I preach about not stealing and I'm stealing? Number one, I'm contradicting the word and, and I'm, I'm telling people what they should or shouldn't be doing and it's not fair to them because I'm being a hypocrite. So, I'm like I said, I'm not, I don't hate the alphabet community. I don't have no ill will towards them or anything like that. If someone trying to fight y'all, or whatever the case may be, I will come to your defense. But there's just some things you shouldn't be doing, and and that's that. So, still love you at the end of the day, because I have to love all God's people, regardless of who they are or the lifestyle they choose to live. I still love you no matter what. All right, George Floyd Bill, and what it means for black men. I'm going to let Stephen tackle this, because he's going to educate me on this part. <clears throat> Well, coming across the George Floyd bill is saying that it's pretty much saying that police will have to have more intricate training and more accountability on their part. Um, they're trying to minimize the uses of unions so cases like George Floyd don't happen or shootings that once the video is cleared, they will have a more technical term for in fear of my life because the data that they're using right now to even form the bill is really substantial and it's implore it's it's important because people need to understand how far is too far with police you know they just from a military background and i wanted to bring this topic to them because i know most of my military guys know what absolute restraint is and a bill like this will protect more People, not just black men, but black women also, from overuse of power with zealous officers of other colors or zealous officers of the same color. Because if you have a, if you've trained and you have a right to have a weapon or anything, you're, you should be held at a higher standard or a higher level of accountability when you bring someone harm. You should be duly trained enough to know that, hey, let me look at this person and see if they have just a cell phone or if they have a gun in their position. For you to just up and shoot somebody and get off scot-free when video has shown that this person had no possession of any weapon and you had no reason to fear for your life. That's what the bill is about. You shouldn't have no reason to fear for your life if the situation deems that you don't need to be in fear of your life. And if you do... <clears throat> If you do do things that may seem in fear of your life, you will be more than thoroughly investigated and you can be handed to the highest extent of the law. And what does this and what does this do for black men and, and men in general? It provides a safe space between us and officers to know that when we get pulled over, we won't have to worry about this being our last night here on this planet. Okay. Thank thank you for the black history moment. Because uh, it is black history. It's something that's in the making. And so we keep we keep creating. We keep writing history. Um, I'm like, 
so obviously if you haven't seen the video it's you can go look at the video anywhere on any streaming device youtube or wherever the case may be and see what happened um i've said this since i've started this podcast and let me say this to people before matter of fact dave chappelle has even said it himself blue lives matter is not a real thing if you if you if if you think that's the case, you know, take up uniform because he even said himself, if I can turn off being black, I'll do it in a minute. Can't turn off being black, but you can take up the uniform and find a different job. If you're in fear of your life or doing what you because you say you're in fear of your life, hey, guess what? Find another job. Go be a security officer. They hiring too. Except you won't have a gun, so you can't be. Who's going around harassing people with your flashlight? Who goes there? <laughs> and it'd be a little cat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, like, cops got to do better. That's why they go to school for the training and things like that. Um, that that's why you you have the training. You know, us as black men, we 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 have training too to to do everything right, do every absolutely everything right, and we still lose our life. It, it's bananas. B A N A N A S. It's it's crazy, and we have to teach our our sons and daughters not to run or whatever. Or if we're running and playing around, and the police just decide to be like, "Hey, what you running from?" It's like, bro, mind your business. Like, an old coworker of mine told me that her son they were running and playing or whatever. Her son and her nephew were running and playing, and the police. Pulled them over and handcuffed them uh, on the sidewalk because they were running as if they had stole something. What? Yeah. It's ridiculous. I'm just sitting there like, so they're running and playing. And they're teenagers. And they're about to lose their life because you think that they're robbing somebody and they're running. Like, come on. All, All you see is some black boy running, not caring to see if... You know, oh, they're probably just playing. Like, nah, we, you know, we we gotta, you know, Michael and Jacorion gotta be, gotta be, you know, gotta be doing something illegal. But in 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 Opie and Billy Bob doing the same thing. Well, 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 if they robbing somebody and doing this and that, are you supposed to handcuff them, put them to the sidewalk, put their face to the ground too? I mean, give me a break. And I don't want a Kit Kat bar either. Uh, so, like, we got to do better. So, this topic, uh, we're going to kind of discuss. Um, and we can both elaborate on it. Um, women in power. And does it make men weaker? My opinion, women in power. Honestly, I love a woman in power. Um, and, and I'll say this. If you're married, if you're married, <laughs> and I gotta choose my words carefully because both our wives are gonna uh, listen to this. Da-da. If you are married, husbands, you are not the boss of your house. Period. Yes, you're the head, but you're but the wife is always the boss. Period. So she is the woman in power. Does that make men weaker? Absolutely not. Like. Prime example, yesterday, softball game, right? Uh, my youngest daughter is 
trying to ask me to do something. I said, what did mommy say? Mommy said no. I said, well, mommy's the boss. She's like, no. I thought you're the boss. I said, uh, I bet I'm not. <laughs> you're not about to get me in trouble. I said, go to your mother. Mm-mm. Go to your mother. Get away from me. Mm-mm. Not about to get me in trouble. I, it, it's, a, it's a long drive home from the softball game to our house. So, mm-mm. I'm not, mm-mm. nope, not doing that. Nope, nope, walk away. Slowly, walk away. So, <laughs> women in power. I don't mind it. It doesn't bother me if they if they have the qualifications, and I'm just saying outside of marriage, if they have the qualif- qualifications to do a job and they meet those requirements and they have a couple of extra stuff other than their their counterparts or their of the opposite sex, hire that person. But if, like I said, if a person is qualified to do a job, I don't care what what ethnic background you're from, what gender I mean, what gender role you play. If you're qualified to do a job, do the job. Period. Yeah, um, I have to agree with you on that. <clears throat> women in power now, like I like the way this country's progressing with women in power because it's giving everybody a fair understanding. Um, we lived in male fragility for too long. Like, seriously, guys, we, we need to just, just chill out. You know, these women have worked hard and done what they needed to do to get where they're going. You know, half of the time we push under the assumption that they slept their way to the top. But there's a lot of women that I've met that actually have the background and the mental fortitude to put us to shame. You know? And so, at the end of the day... If you feel like power's being removed because there's a female lead or a female boss over you, you in the wrong business, buddy. Because the way the trends are going, it's going to be a lot more women in power. And we just have to understand that instead of pulling them down and pushing them away or making it harder for them, let's bridge, let's bridge that gap that's between us and help make the situation better for all of us. Because if we do that, we all can come up. Because we, we should see each other as stronger or weaker. We just see each other as one half completing the other. Yeah, and, and I'll even say this. When I worked in the funeral home, both of my bosses, well, my boss and supervisor, until my supervisor became my boss, were both women. And I respected them as if they were men, not, not that I treated them like men, but I respected them in a way because of their position, who they were, and their knowledge of something that I was coming in to understand. You're in the funeral business. So... Whatever it is they went to school for, they learn, they practice, they they've done what works best for them, and they pass it and passing this knowledge on to other people. You know, you, hey, I listened. I was like a sponge trying to understand this stuff. Like, and this was at the time where I was thinking, like, man, I wouldn't mind running a funeral, having a funeral business. Um, now, not so much, and not that it's a bad thing, because. The funeral business is not a dying business. Um, so, so it's it's money to be made, and then you think about it when you when you go places. About half of the funeral directors you you come in, come across with are women, and when they're the funeral director in charge, guess what? If you're a funeral attendant, you got to listen to to her, and because she wants it done a certain way, just like it was a guy, because. Because you gotta respect that guy because of his position, and they somewhat have power, but it does not make a man weaker. Um, and I'll I'll give an instance. Um, 
and I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Uh, and I've said this before. Um, you know, my wife handles the business side of our relationship, like the bills, groceries, and things like that. You know, the the money and stuff like that. She's better at it. It doesn't mean that I'm weaker at it. It's just that that's her strength. So, and it, and it took me a couple of years to come to terms with it. But that's that's a, that's what she that's what she's strong at. So let me let her handle that part without no issue. You know what I mean? Like, like you you got to think about stuff like that. So it is what it is. But it, 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 if if men feel like that they're they're weaker because their their wife or the person who who is their boss or manager or supervisor, whatever the case may be. Is 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 in a uh, supervisory role? I mean, do something about it to change it, change your perspective, figure out what, what what can you do to get in that position. I mean, that's it, and make sure you have the qualifications to do it. All right, this next topic, man. So, Michelle Obama is being blasted because uh. She's being blasted for saying Dwayne Wade's son, Zaya, is a role model for coming out and saying that she's a girl. I'm sorry, saying that he's a girl. Uh, uh, <laughs> First off, you're like 9, 10, or 11. And how can you, you know that you were meant to be a girl? Like... When I was eight, nine, and ten, like honestly, all I wanted to do was play video games or play some kind of sport to keep myself active. Like I was not thinking about, ooh, I think I want to be a girl today. Yes, phone, yes. No, no, wasn't even thinking about that or thinking like, you know what? I don't feel like being a boy today. I think I want to be a girl. No, that the thought never crossed my mind. But you know. What you expose your children to is what they're going to perceive that that's what they're supposed to be. Shoot, I, I can't tell you how many times people have told me that, oh, you should be preaching, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. Well, hey, God ain't told me to do it yet, so guess what? I ain't doing it. Un- until he tells me, and, and this is me in my mind about how, how God talks, Adrian, <laughs> it's time to preach. Get up. <laughs> Take up your cross and walk. You know that 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 that's in my mind. How I think he be talking to me. Wake up, wake up, wake up. <laughs> right. You know. So, you know, he ain't told me to do it. I ain't doing it. I mean, it'd be anything. Like I, I've had people who know that my uh, one of my uncles is a lawyer, and they was like, "Well, why you didn't become a lawyer?" I said, "Cause that ain't my ministry. That ain't that, that ain't that, that ain't where I'm being led to." So, that's that. They was like, okay, you you assure yourself, huh? I said, yes, I am. I said, eight years in the military, so, yeah. Um, Steven, what are your thoughts on this? Like I said earlier, uh, um, I'm at a loss for words because I feel like my conviction, my strongest conviction is this. A person's sexuality shouldn't even be thought about until they become a full-fledged adult to fully explore that option. 
to fully explore that idea. Now, I'm not bashing nobody from the LGBTQ. I do neither condone or condemn what you do as an adult. But as a child, you should be setting other standards and other goals for yourself besides choosing your sexuality or choosing your gender. Like, what do you want to do with yourself in the future? How are you going to make yourself progress? How are you going to make, if you decide to have kids, how are you going to make that future for yourself? You know, how are you going to make yourself withstand the things that may come when you get older? Those are the challenges I implant in my kids. You know, now one of my kids came to me and said, well, Dad, I want to be the. I, I want to live in my truth. I don't know what that means, because to me that's a bit of cognitive dissonance. If you are physically made one way, and you think you are the other way, or I don't, I don't really want to understand why you're that way. But I'm trying to. Fi- I want to figure out what makes you feel that way. Everybody says it's a biological component. It's this. Is that? But I feel like there are more important things out there. Then to be concerned about what you want to be a boy or a girl. There are more pressing issues. Because if you play primary focus on how you want to leave your life. Meaning, what are you doing with yourself that can be productive to you and to your environment that you're trying to create. Then go for it. But being 11, 12 years old as a role model to a community of people who... Let me say, who feel like they're lost. The reason why you're lost is because you're not investing in yourself enough to see what are you missing. And that's what that's what's getting me. Now, you can pay homage or whatever. I'm I can't I can't say Michelle was right or wrong for giving the boys homage. But the where the issue with me lies is Dude, you're not even a teenager yet, and you this is this is your stance. This is your hill you're going to die on. Like, we don't know what's going to happen in the next six years. Now, if you like this in the next six, seven, eight years, then go on about your business. But don't just jump into the pool already. See, enjoy being a kid, for Christ's sake. Like, you are still a kid. Enjoy being a kid. Enjoy what kids do. If you like being girly, okay, be girly, but don't sit up there and consider yourself trans already when you're just being a kid. Enjoy being a kid. Because once you enter this world of adult decisions, because yes, sexuality to me is an adult decision, they're going to come at you with everything, and it's going to make you question yourself as you get older. So don't jump into the deep end of the pool not knowing how deep it is just because you see everybody swimming. Right. Um also with that and I agree with as far as the whole sexuality thing don't push it in on, on any child like if and, and I'm saying this and this is not to try to bash Dwayne Wade's son his youngest son anything like that you know because as parents we have to listen to our children you know we, we, we can't be we can't be the parents that that we, we, we can't be our parents that you know when we were coming up do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, right. We have to listen, listen with an understanding, and ask them why do they feel this way, and and things like that. Like for me, raising girls is totally different, totally, totally different from what I was expecting. You know, and 
you know, you know, you gotta listen. You know, they have feelings, they have emotions, but everybody has feelings and emotions. You know, we just have to learn how to control them and how to say say how you feel, say what you're feeling, why you feel this way. So it's you know it's and I'm not gonna blast Michelle Obama, um, but I've even said this when um, President Barack Obama was in office. Um, love is not love, you know. Everybody should saying that everybody should have the opportunity to get married and things like that. No, because you you can't you can't say hey I believe in God but then turn around and be like oh where anybody can get married whether it's two men or two women. No, because you're going you're going against everything. Because because one there's no sin that's greater than the other. So if you commit one sin, you just it's just like committing all of them. So, um, I'm like I said, I'm not going to bash Michelle Obama. I don't have any issue with Dwayne Wade's son. And I'm going to keep saying son. Just like I'm going to keep saying Bruce Jenner. Because he's, he's a full-grown man. Saying he wants to be a woman, but still wants to hold on to his Johnson. So, yeah, that's that. Because he hasn't come to terms with it. Ain't that something? You want you want you want to keep your man parts too, and you want to have lady parts. How does that work? I don't know. I don't even know. So I I know if and I'll say this: I want if my if either one of my children came out and told me that, I would have a serious conversation with them. First, I would have to pray about it, but I would have to have a serious conversation to make sure I understand where they're coming from and why do they feel this way. Now, I'm not gonna berate them or belittle them or bash them in a way to make them not want to come talk to me you know I have to listen but I want them to let want, want it to be a safe haven a safe place for them to have this conversation with me so but but that's in every aspect of being a parent you know not just with this typical uh, certain situation but any situation because we have teenage daughters they're going to start liking boys uh, uh-uh. don't, don't, don't start. Uh, see, I'm trying to adjust to that now. That, that. Uh, uh, no, mm, hey, mm. It, it's gonna happen. It's happening, sweetheart. No, no, oh, no, no. So, you know, gonna have to have conversations with them about it. And the thing is, a lot of what's going on now, as it pertains to the alphabet community, is number one, there are no fathers in the home. And even if there are fathers in the home, he's not really in the home. Like, he's there physically. His presence is there physically. But he's not there emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. You know what I mean? Like, because you, you can have a man in the home but not be in the home. So there's a void that's being missed and it needs to be filled. So it's either you, you teach them as a parent inside your house, teach them... You know how how things are supposed to go, or the world is gonna teach them. And if the world teaches them, as as they say, and I'm gonna start using it as as my favorite phrase, the streets got them now. <laughs> uh, uh, the, the, the streets got them now. So they belong to the streets. Right. So next topic. Right. So college player takes a drug test. Not the fact that it came back negative. <laughs> I know where you're going with this one, buddy. But the fact that he was pregnant. Oh, boy. 
how do you take a drug test? Well, we know. Well, we know what he did. Let's let's just be clear about it. You had somebody pee for you, cause you cause yours was gonna come back negative. I mean, yours was gonna come back positive. So you be like, you know what? Let me have my homegirl do it. She don't, she don't do nothing. You know what I'm saying? She don't do nothing. And then this is a player at um, Ohio State. You can look it up. So, uh, he takes the drug test and it came back positive. I mean, it came back negative, but he he comes back pregnant. So I'm pretty sure they're looking at the name, looking at looking at his picture. A goo goo guy guy. And he's pregnant. <laughs> on the men's basketball team, where they do that? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's not on the team. <laughs> like, like, dude, if you're gonna have somebody take a drug test for you, at least be somebody of the same sex. <laughs> just a thought. I could just picture that whole room when that happened. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, man, you passed. Oh, that's good. But how far along is the pregnancy? <clears throat> <laughs> what do you mean? You know what? Hey, bro, you pregnant, bro? It's as simple as that. You pregnant, dog? I don't know how it happened. We're just gonna give the credit to science. <clears throat> so, yeah. Um, Soul of a Nation weekly reviews. I didn't get a chance to watch Soul of a Nation. Definitely gonna try to check it out. Um, it's pretty interesting. Um, it's. It's, it's going to be a week-to-week depiction of uh, black people doing great black things, making moves in the country. It it puts a Microsoft, a big microscope on what we're doing versus what's being pushed out there. Because um, the episode that I did see was called The Reckoning. And it goes, it goes into the past and talks about how blacks were treated. And it lines up with things that's going on in the future. And one of the interviews were, when did you find out that you were black? Like, when did you really realize that you were a black person? And one of the young ladies on there had said was a boy, a white boy, asked her out to the prom. And she said yes. He come back days later and says, well, my mom said I can't go with you. And she says, why? And he said that. Black birds shouldn't play with cats. Word? Word. And I was like, bruh. That was probably the most blatant racist thing I've ever heard in my life. And I really started to think of my issues being a black man going to a predominantly white college where I figured out that I was black. Like, my first week at Stephen F. Austin, I was playing on the on the piano in the lobby, and the guy comes in there and says, take that jungle music back to Africa. Wait. I, in my mind, I thought, I'm here at college. I thought I was at least removed from most of this stuff. But then that was that moment I knew that folks could tell me I don't see color. But that's when I realized that was a lie. A bold-faced lie. 
So when you get the chance, bro, um, if anybody gets a chance, check out check out Soul of a Nation. It's on Hulu. Um, it actually comes on ABC on Sundays, and uh, on Mondays they have the new episodes. Uh, but it's it's a very eye opening experience for Black America, and you'll see how much of an influence Black people are in this country. Well, I tell people all the time, you know, we are Black history because we keep writing it, right? So, I mean, I knew I was Black because I went to a school where we both went to elementary, middle school, high schools where everybody looked just like us. Um, no one, no one really had to tell me that I was black or not black or anything like that. Although, because I was a quote unquote choir boy, I was told sometimes I talk like a white boy. I'm like, because I use proper English or because I, I speak with a level of intelligence, you know, that makes me different. But yet the same people that say that, I get mad if you say, if you tell them, Hey, what you're doing is wrong. Don't go up and judge me. Like, but you're judging me based on how I talk. I hate that. I hate that. Right. So, to me, hey, it is what it is. Um, yeah, I'm definitely gonna check out Soul of a Nation, and we're going, you know, and you know, and there's also another show on Netflix too. With I think Will Smith is in it. I can't think of the name of it, but it's talking about. As it pertains to blacks. I know what show you're talking about. Um, I don't have the exact title, but I know what you're talking about. Right. I'll look into it. I, I was going to look at t- to that show myself. So, but yeah. Um, COVID-19 and the education system. I'm going to let you have this one first. This last, I mean, for folks who understand, we've had COVID-19 for a whole year. And... I've seen it literally suck the momentum out of teachers and students alike. Like, it really has been a cluster storm of things that is uh, that is unbelievable. Because what you have to understand is children are becoming less motivated to learn because of this type of climate right now. They've gotten so far to social media and to video games and to things like that that just wanting to have a basic education is out the window. And I I find myself really trying to get my kids to be motivated again because it's just like, I'll just do everything online. Ugh. I'll just do everything online. I'm tired of going to the classes. I'm tired of seeing my teachers. Ugh. And I'm like, you do know when COVID first started, you guys was crying about seeing your teachers. Y'all need that personal interaction. And them teachers want to be there to give you that personal interaction. But the districts themselves are so overwhelmed with options and things going on. They don't know how to proceed this thing. So some kids are just getting are just passing right now just to, just to move into the next grade. But will our kids be prepared for the next grade level? Will our kids be prepared to be sociable when they need to be sociable? You know, and so that's why I feel like COVID-19 really gave us a nice right hook to the to our school systems 
into our own personal psyche because it's going to be a good two, three years before our kids want to have their motivation to get back to school like we used to. Yeah. Just, you know, with the education education system, like, you, like, it's like, and then they got all these vac- vaccinations going around and things like that, right? Me personally, forget the politicians. Then you go to these teachers first. They got to be in these schools and these administrators and these nurses and things like that. They should have gotten it first. Like, well, at, well, let me take that back. You're right. They should go to the politicians first. Let them be the guinea pigs. Test it on their children first and stuff like that. But after that, after everything is settled and no one's loopy or their face is not falling off or look, may have them look like droopy from Tom and Jerry, um, you know, <laughs> you know, then give it to the teachers, administrators, and people out there who are around, around the children. Because um, to be honest, the education, the education system in America is probably one of the worst. Just to be honest, I mean, there are some states who are doing better than others, yes, but you think about America as a whole, education system is jacked up. And then let's let's take history as an example, right? They're only talking about certain things as pertains to history, but they're not talking about all of history, right? Them don't talk about what 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 they think that we need to know, but that's why people are writing books talk about the true history or people are making movies to talk about the true history about what's really going on. Like, how is it that Thomas Jefferson, who helped write the uh, Constitution, said that all men are created equal, but consider blacks as three-fifths of a person? They don't teach, they don't teach, they don't teach that in high school. You know what I mean? Like They sure don't. So, then... Then on top of it, you know, they pass these laws and stuff about men, and I'll just say black men paying child support or whatever, because clearly child child support wasn't a thing in the in the late 1700s when you got Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, and all these other people raping these black women and making them take care of the children on their own. Why they have wives, by the way? You know what I mean? Like, it's... But they're not telling this story. Yeah. Or how Abraham Lincoln, although he's revered as one of the one of the great presidents uh, who did away with slavery, but he also passed a bill to where if you were a slave who went to the North and you were captured, you could still come back and be a slave in the South. Because he was trying to, you know, keep everybody happy. Obviously, you can't do that. So, you know, it's stuff that's not being told that's going on. Like, even, shoot, even in the Bible, people are telling certain stories when you go to church on Sundays or listen to a sermon on Sundays. They're only telling certain stories. But they're not telling how how Judah slept with his daughter-in-law. <laughs> Boom. Got her pregnant. And tried to make it seem like she was a prostitute. You know, it's it's no one talks about that. Like let's let, let, let let's let's talk about the real deal, or let's let's talk about how Carolyn Bryant is still walking around, living her best life, probably in the hospital bed, but 
or not, living her best life after she came out and said a couple of years ago how that it was a setup to have Emmett Till killed. And I'm paraphrasing. I'm not saying verbatim. Like, come on now. What's really going on? But you want to arrest Bill Cosby, though? We got ghosts in this house, y'all. We got to go. Now I'm playing. <laughs> um, you know, like, like, what is really going on? Okay. All right. Time to shift gears. We're done with the entertainment for now. End of the first half. <laughs> <laughs> so now, let's talk about this All-Star game that came on last night. Um, it was a condensed All-Star, All-Star Sunday, I should say, with the three-point contest, the skill challenge, the dunk, con- the dunk contest came in at halftime, and, you know, obviously MVP goes out. You know, now the players were like, man, we shouldn't have it. We shouldn't do this. We shouldn't do that. But at the same time, you know, all-star break is a chance to for the NBA, chance to give players who don't make it a chance to relax for a little bit. Not in the sense that they do something that they shouldn't be doing, but they get a chance to relax. So... The All Star, the All Star Sunday. What are your thoughts? Everybody got mixed reviews about it. Me, on the other hand, this is probably, despite COVID, it was a good one. It was a good one. Um, I enjoyed the All Star game. It was automatic. I knew Steph was going to win the three point contest. Um, Anthony Simmons, the boy got hang time, like. Seriously, I didn't know that the boy could could climb like that. Um, watching Sabonis in the skills challenge really kind of got me like, why I see I don't see why he got snubbed. Like the time he don't bring the wild factor, he he showed he showed his behind in the skills challenge. Um. The game itself was beautiful. I like I like the concept because you're not forcing the players to overexert themselves. It's like playing regular old street ball, you know. Nobody was really doing too much, and then you had certain rules in play, and they had to get to a certain certain point, like to a game of 15, they had to get to 170. And folks were like, well, that's pretty high or whatever. But you got everybody out there who can score on the drop of a dime. So, you know, the sooner they got to the end of the game, the better. And – it the concept was like it was last year. It was it still was good. Uh the Greek freak, I didn't know he had a stop and pop like that. I see why he took the buck so far. But the dude I can see that he's gonna need a bigger supporting cast if they're gonna go deeper into the playoffs. Um to see LeBron and Steph on the court at the same time for the little time they did have together, that was ooh, that was awesomely scary. Like if they were actually to ever really play on the same team for real, for real, Jesus Christ. It wouldn't even be fair. That they would have to implement a new a whole new NBA rule because that that was a sight to behold. Just even though they was on the court for less than a minute with each other, you know? But it still was nice. And your boy Dame Dollar, I hate him. Yeah, I, I I don't really hate him, but his skill set, he gets on my nerves because 
his confidence is overwhelming. And it's it's, it's hilarious to look at you and be like, ugh, this is a little smug, little midget. But he, he can talk the talk and walk the walk. But, yeah. Yeah, so the All-Star game or All-Star Sunday, what I took from it was all that it, what it was supposed to be. Um, the skills challenge, uh, me and my wife were talking about this last night. Um, the, the guys, um, DeMontis Sabonis, who's the son of Arvidas Sabonis. And <laughs> me and my wife were having this conversation. She was like, Sabonis sound like a disease. You know, like, he's the word syphilis. <laughs> like, ooh, <laughs> better be careful. You might, you might get that Sabonis. What? No. <laughs> so I tried to explain to her, you know, the names or whatever. She, and she, and I, I, I tried to tell her, I said, babe, they're not from America. It doesn't matter. Like, all of these names that come out, like, like, well, I thought, you know, and I jokingly tell her, I said, well, you know, my name is is the second greatest name in the world. She's like, what's number one? Jesus. Hey. hey. So, um, yes, I have the second greatest name in the world. Quote me on it. I said it. I believe it. And it is what it is. Um, so, Anthony Simons, uh, he... Won a dunk contest. I was surprised. Like I didn't. I didn't know he had hops. Like I'll be honest. Didn't know he had hops. Like watching, I was just like, "Oh, he can jump." Cause it. Cause when, when I watch him play, it seemed like he can shoot, and he can get to the basket. But one of the dunks that surprised me was that he almost kissed the rim on one of his dunks. But if he had to kiss that rim, he probably got face planted. <laughs> Cause it would it would have had to be quick. So that surprised me. I actually thought Cassius uh, Stanley was going to win because that dude got hops too um, from Duke. Yeah. And Steph Curry kind of knew he was going to win the three-point contest. He just needed to warm up. And he, honestly, I believe he made it interesting for uh, Mike Conley Jr., who's a, who's a, a fill-in for um, Devin Booker. So now the All-Star game in itself, I – I always enjoy the All-Star game, the first three quarters, right? Because that's when everybody's doing what they do. They're having fun. They're, like, playing street ball or whatever. So, I I, I enjoy watching, you know, the All-Star game and watching players just have fun. Oh, excuse me. Um, watching Dame Dollar, Steph Curry. Like, my, my favorite part was when all the guards, the small guards, like Dame Dollar, Steph Curry, Chris, even Chris Paul, get up and dunk it from an alley hoop. Like that was like never seen that before. Chris Paul is like six foot even, but he play he plays like he's six eleven. Uh, so that was a, that was a joy. And then to watch uh, before the end before halftime started, seeing Dame Dollar shoot a three from half court, and Curry come back and do the same thing. And not only that, that not only did they make it. It was nothing but net. Like, it was, no, uh, it's going to bounce in the rim off the backboard and go in. No, it was nothing but net. And I was like, yeah, I enjoyed that. So, MVP goes to Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, a.k.a. the Greek Freak. And, you know, no surprise. He was 16 for 16 from the field. He didn't miss a shot. Uh, but it, it could have went to, shoot, could have went to, um, Steph Curry, because I went to Dame Dollar. So, I enjoyed it. I liked it. Um, but, you know, can't wait till next year. 
Um, so speaking of Dame Dollar, so for the past eighteen months, man, this dude has been through probably some of the worst tragedy anybody has endured with close family and friends, people in his circle dying, and yet he's still going out on the court, shooting from 30 and 35 feet, getting buckets, right? Like, you have to be in a certain place mentally and emotionally to deal with the loss of family members, to deal with the loss of close friends, to deal with people that have been in your circle since, you know, since you were Damian Lillard. Not, I mean, I'm just saying before before Dame Dollar even came, like, and for him to still go out and play, like, push that push that aside, like, it says a whole lot about people because at the end of the day, yes, they're NBA players or they're professional athletes, you know, they're still human too, and for them to be able to have to put things aside to to play to play something that they love, that that's their sanctuary. I can see why he because. Yeah, the last year and a half he's been he's been going through the rigor, but um, with him, and I seen this when he was Damian Lillard, he has a certain drive to where he needs to prove that life is better than the circumstances handed to you. He lost plenty of people in the last eighteen months. In most cases, this will literally destroy a person and they won't want to give up. But he has to prove to the people that passed, the people he lost, that, hey, I'm still going to keep playing because uh, because of where you because of where you put me. You know, it's more of a contribution to their efforts to who, who, who invested in him. Because if that wouldn't have been the case, he'd have been quit. The people he lost were people more likely that invested time, that invested energy, that gave him nothing but positive, strong affirmations of how good of a person he's going to be. And for him to sit up there and to just stop, you know, that will be an insult to, to them. So I can see that he's handling it well, and he's going to keep pushing. And he keeps playing like this. He's going to get him a couple of ranks. Not important, he not. You're going to go somewhere else. Yeah, important yeah. to give him a supporting cast. I mean, the draft is looking kind of helpful this year. You don't think so? No. You, you're so mean. No, I'm just calling it facts. Going to Portland is not sexy. She's like, just call it what it is. The destinations people want to go is, is L.A. <sighs> Be respectful. Clippers, that's where they're going. That's fine. He can go to the Clippers. It's still L.A. He from L.A. So, um, yeah, he's, I mean, like, he, I'm, I'm not saying he's the second coming to Job, but, you know, he's understanding that the Lord giving and the Lord taking away. You ain't got to like how he's being taken away, but for him to go out, go out on the court and still perform at a high level says a whole lot. Like, he, I mean, he, he's had my respect. He's actually had my respect since. Since 2014, what he did to the Rockets for eight tenths of a second. He, <laughs> yeah, that was disrespectful. He he's 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 had my respect since then, you know. And shoot, he did it to the Thunder. He shoot, I want to say he did to probably have to leave. Uh, but you know, I mean, you gotta get you gotta give him his respect. 
So the NBA also is not requiring players to get vaccinated. Um, I don't see anything wrong with it. That's their decision. You know, if that's what they choose to do, that's what they choose to do. You want to take a stab at it or are you okay with the NBA, uh, the players making their own choice to decide to get vaccinated or not? Um, when it comes to that vaccination, yeah, I think the vaccine, if, if, I'm, I'm sorry. If you've been playing in the NBA in the last 18 months <laughs> and you've already been quarantined and everything and you've came out clean, there's no real, to me, once you've, once you've caught a certain strand of it or whatever and you've made it through and you did what you needed to do, if you want to take it, take it. If you don't, don't. You know, to try to force players to do that, to force, force anybody to take a vaccination like that is against their own policy. You know, some people might have fought off COVID and lived and have decent lives right now. Some people I know have fought COVID, made it through, and they still feeling the side effects a little bit. So it's it's based on you know, it's based on what they want to do. So it shouldn't be a requirement. Yeah. Also, this past weekend, Blake Griffin became a free agent. And, well, the the Pistons bought out his contract. And he is expected to sign with the Nets. Um, I'm okay with it. You know, Brooklyn hasn't won a championship in... Since Jason Kidd years? No, they didn't get one. They ran into the Spurs and the Lakers. Oh. <laughs> right. They, they got to the finals. But yeah, it wouldn't happen for him. Oh. Um, it might happen this year too. They might get to the finals and still lose to the Lakers. So yeah. Um, but you know, we shall see. I'm okay with it. They're saying he's gonna use. They're gonna use him as a five, uh, coming off the bench in their small ball. Um, now, I believe that Blake Griffin is gonna all of a sudden miraculously get his hops back because I have not seen him really just dunk since he's been in Detroit. Maybe he's drinking that, that water in Flint. I don't know. I'm sorry, Flint, Michigan. I shouldn't have said that. But. Boo. Boo this man. Where my tomatoes at? <laughs> I'm a duck and dodger. Um, so now that the NBA break, the All-Star break is over with, any predictions on how the season will end? I got one. Lakers winning the championship. <laughs> what are your thoughts? <laughs> the Lakers win the championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh, Lakers. I ain't like the Lakers when Kobe was there. I ain't like him now with LeBron there. Um, not an official Laker hater. I just don't like the Lakers. Sound like hate to me. Nah. Hate, hate must come from a place of negativity. I'm coming from a place of, can somebody else win the championship for once? Yeah, Boston has won 17 too with the Lakers. I don't like them either. <laughs> Miami has won three. They fine. The Spurs have won five. They're fine. The Rockets have won two. That's fine. Since the last millennial. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, anybody else but Boston and the Lakers. When you have when you have more than when you when you have two teams that have championships that are combined more than the more than the teams in the league, that's weird. Wait, it's called the Rich getting richer. Yeah. But my prediction for the what's the name? Yeah, I don't really see nobody in the West that can actually slow the Lakers down. So he's, they're gonna mow over everybody. Um, 
But to get to the Eastern Finals, now that's going to be a complicated task. I got to see if Blake Griffin will have chemistry with the Nets. I wasn't taking them seriously, but these last couple of games I've been seeing them, I've been made a skeptic. Um, I got a feeling that they are going to be a force to be reckoned with because they they can make shots. Um, James Harden doesn't have to put in more work. Arrested Harden is a dangerous Harden. Um, so yeah, um, I kind of got my little humble pie on the side. It, it's blueberry flavored, but you know I don't like blueberry. But I got my humble pie right here. Um, them, I see Milwaukee sneaking in, sneaking into the Eastern Conference. But I see, I said sneaking. Nothing too strong about that. But the one sleeper team that I'm scared that may come in and blow everything up is is Philly. Mm. They they've been playing real strong, quiet ball. Like you don't hear them in the what's the name it. They just playing their game and they doing what they need to do. Well, right now they're leading the East. And they and but, it's, but it's like it's, it's quiet. Like like we see what Joel and Bede is doing, right? But honestly, if the Sixers are to come out of the East. It's definitely going to depend on Joel Embiid. Like, period. Like, he he has to, like, like, like right now, he's probably the most criticized player in the league right now outside of LeBron. And I'm saying that because you're a big man who got all of these array of moves, post-game, outside shot, make your free throws and things like that. You should be, you should be killing everybody at your beck and call. Like, he's a, he's a, Glorify Hakeem Olajuwon because Olajuwon abused people purposely, and to this day, I don't think no one's ever going to catch him in all-time blocks. Olajuwon, nah. But like Joel Embiid, like you have all of this stuff. You know, you're down in the post. You use your moves, and you know if you got to step out, make your move. You know, honestly, like Joel Embiid should just go watch all of Hakeem Olajuwon's highlights and practice all of those moves. Or, or during the summertime, like LeBron, like Kobe, like other players who want to get better, work on their game, go talk to Elijah Wong. Like, I've watched videos of him training people on how to make their moves in the game, even so much so that Elijah Wong be like, ooh, boy, I still got it. So, you know, there's a thought there. Um, so, but I, I, I'll say... Coming out the East, well, Eastern Conference Finals will be Sixers and Brooklyn. I'll say that. The West, the Lakers, maybe the Clippers, depending depending on what happens with Utah. Because right now Utah is making shots. But they're going to have to sustain it. Like, it, it will suck for them to be hot. Throughout the season and get cold and during then. the playoffs, so that has happened. Yep, last year. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm on. I'm, I'm gonna go out on a limb, and I don't hate Harden. Um, may, maybe some of his decision making um, has been questionable, but that can be said about other players as well. Um, I believe he may win MVP if he's playing. If he keeps playing the way that he's playing in Brooklyn. He's going to win MVP. So, yeah. All right, college basketball. Man, 
Houston Cougars. Uh, Rare. Playing, uh, went again in Hail Mary fashion. So, they were playing Memphis. And, sh- and shout out to my boy DeAndre Williams at Memphis and Penny Hardaway as the coach. Um, Memphis hit a three-pointer with like 1.7 seconds left. And obviously, you were called a timeout. They run a play. And do for U of H. I don't know any of that player's names because I really don't watch U of H basketball like that. I know who Quentin Grimes is because he played at Kansas, and um, I know Jerome because it sounds like Al Jerome. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I think about. Um, so I don't know who made the game when it shot, but he got the ball and threw it up, and it went in. I was just like, oh my gosh, and. To be honest, I believe U of H is a team you need to watch out for during this tournament because defense travels. We, we've, we've learned this. Defense travels. So, the, the only thing is, is can you make shots? Because if you can make shots, you can uh, win, win the tournament. Uh, so, watching Duke over this past weekend, catch on, catching the highlights actually, um, their only way of getting in the tournament now is they have to win the ACC tournament. Uh, they lost to UNC in the rival game, but we knew Duke wasn't going to be. I knew Duke was not going to be that good this year. Um, they just they just didn't have the players, you know. You know, maybe if Jason Tatum would have stayed or Zion then would have stayed, yeah, they're gonna win it all type of thing. But they just didn't have the players. Period. Um, the ACC turning gonna be rough though. Yeah, I mean. I mean, if but you know, here here's some hope for my for, for my Duke people, my my my, uh, my Blue Devil Nation. Um, remember, in was it 2011? Yeah, wow, ten years ago. Man, we're yeah, old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, there there's this guy by the name of Kimball Walker. Oh Lord, I knew he was gonna go there. Ha, ha, have you heard of him? Um. <sighs> Maybe uh, Wendell Moore Jr. can uh, flash some some Kimba Walker and win win the ACC tournament and then win the NCAA tournament. You know he got to put in some work though. It's happened. <laughs> Kimba Walker was a monster, and that vicious step back. Oh my gosh, it's probably one of the coldest moves I ever seen in college basketball. Once you get a big man on you, ISO time, everybody clear out. Then put that move on him. And never, never, never seen him do it again. Like, never seen him in the NBA. Never seen him try out. Never seen him in the, uh, in the um, not the D League, the Summer League, the G League, none of that. <laughs> Didn't, ain't seen him. So, it's possible, dude. Y'all can, y'all can probably win, I think, I know, six. They they they'll have to win eleven straight in order to win it all. The ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament, eleven games. It's possible. Anything's possible. <laughs> we shall see. So, Creighton's men basketball team. I'm sorry, Creighton's men basketball coach got suspended for his comments to his players. Um, I want to say last month. Um, he mentioned something about being at a plantation. And. Some players took offense to him. They didn't want him to get fired, though. 
uh, is Coach McDermott. Um, I think it's Sean McDermott. His son plays for the Pacers, Doug McDermott. Um, I. This is why you got to be careful with what you say. You know, you can't be going out saying, oh, take you back to the plantation and whip your boy. Can't say stuff like that. You know, that's what, you know, can't say, make comments like that. If you lose a game, I understand being in the emotions, wrapped up in the emotions of the game, but can't go around throwing out there, look here, boy. You want to get catch this whip? You hear me? Uh-uh. Can't say stuff like that. No. And I'm not saying that's what, it, that's what he exactly said, but I know he definitely used the plantation mentality or something that pertains to being on a plantation. On a plantation, that basketball cross dead his face. Yeah. Then, <laughs> yeah. I'd, have been, I'd have been kicked out of school. Yeah. I, I'd have worked at McDonald's for 725, but you ain't finna insult me like that. Mm-hmm. Wilson would have been tattooed right on top of your forehead. Ba-ding! Would you have worked at McDonald's or McDowell? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's a fly in my soup. Uh-huh. So, um, Luca Garza and Kay Cunningham are among the finalists for the Wooten Award. Wooten Award is obviously the best college basketball player. Um, from what I've seen, it might go to Luca Luca Garza, like. He's a big man, you know, big man usually don't get that award. Um, so but it, it but it's, it it gotta be between them two. Kate Cunningham has been playing at a high level, even though he didn't play the, this last game and they still won. Um and it's championship week. Teams are punching their tickets in. You have an idea on any sleepers or have you been watching? I've been watching um Sleepers. I'm, I've been trying to watch this week anyway because I'm trying to keep up with SFA and uh, Southland Conference. Oh, that's right. You did go to SFA. Yes, sir. And I'm going to rub that win in our, your face for the rest of our lives, sir. That's fine. <laughs> they, got, they got five rings, though. I mean, it's, it's okay. You know what? I'm not even worried about it. I ain't, I ain't worried about it. I ain't worried My about sub it. has bacon in it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, whatever. But, uh. Sleepers, um, I was looking at the Providence game yesterday. Um, not yesterday. Yeah, yesterday was Sunday. Yeah, yesterday. And they looked pretty good. Because um, they had a lead on the number 10 seed. I was like, ooh. And it was like by 20 points. Um, Anybody who enters this tourney, there's no real dominant team but Gonzaga and Baylor. But it's any. This is one of them tournaments I'm gonna have to watch thoroughly because it's anybody's championship this year. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually gonna go on the limb and say, be watch out for UT. Like, I think Shaka Smart finally got it right. You think so? I think so. He got the right combination of guards, big men. Um, we all know in college basketball, it's, well, anything pertaining to basketball, it's a miss or make league. If you're making shots, there's the chances you'll win. And if you're missing shots, there's the probability you'll lose. That's just how it goes. Um, Another team, um, probably to watch out for, is Florida State. Um, They have length and size. So, those are the two teams. And actually, I'll even say Oklahoma State is another sleeper team. 
like to watch out for. So, I guess we just got to wait and see. All right. In the NFL, the franchise deadline is tomorrow. Is that going to get signed or is it going to get a franchise tender? Hmm. That's hard to say, bro. That is hard to I say. I mean, he's just among other players as well. I think I saw that maybe one of a couple of the Buccaneers might get franchise. God, Godwin or um, Shaquille Barrett. Um, that's that's what they hoping because uh, Godwin wants to stay. Barrett wants to stay. I mean, hey, everybody wants to stay after winning the Super Bowl. But um, that's not always true. Nah, no, for the most part, you. But I would say sixty forty. Um, but uh, there's a lot of franchise folk out there that can actually make a difference elsewhere. But the one that had my eyes is peeled on is Dak Prescott. He had a freak injury, and the way Dallas was being set up, they would have been a strong playoff contender last year, very strong, because he was he was the leader on that chariot. You really couldn't. You really you you in order for Dallas to not make it, that exact thing had to happen. Some type of freak accident to knock out all the leadership, and then you went through several quarterbacks, two of them who I did not know how to pronounce their names. <laughs> ben Denucci. The the new the who? Denucci. No, that sounds like an expensive wine. Um, <laughs> really a cheap wine, but uh, in essence to that. I really hope that that gets signed. And the other franchise tags out there, that's out there, hopefully they stay somewhere where they can build chemistry or they move somewhere else. Shoot, Dallas needs to revamp their defense to help the offense out and do better on the O-line. So the Jets are considering taking Zach Wilson as the number two pick and even trading Sam Darnold. Uh that still ain't gonna fix your O line problem. Still ain't gonna fix your defense. Still ain't gonna fix your outside help. So, like, why are you trading him to get picks? Sam Darnold, um, that dude has been through the ringer too with mono and other things. And like, been the hand he was dealt. Like, if you're a Jets fan, like, geez, you gotta be. Well, no, let me not say that because if you're a Texans fan, <laughs> you gotta have the worst luck ever, ever. You got a quarterback that don't want to be there no more. Poor Tink Tink. Yeah. I mean, well, that's Houston football for you. The best teams are college or high school mm-hmm. in Houston. Uh, the Washington football team released Alex Smith. Don't know why. That was dumb. If I was him, I'd probably try to go play with the Saints or, or, or Pittsburgh. Ooh. That wouldn't be bad at all with the Saints. That, that, I didn't even think about that. Oh. Like, I mean, like, Alex Smith can go to a contender and be a backup. Like, I would not recommend that he goes to uh, New England. Mm -mm. But Pittsburgh could be an option. The Saints, what team need a quarterback? Shoot, he can go to Dallas. He'd be formidable in Dallas. He's not going to turn the ball over unless he hand the ball to Zeke. And he drop it and fumble it. I'm sorry, Zeke. Actually, I'm not. Um, so, question. If you had a choice to start three and cut one, who would it be? Larry Fitzgerald, Jerry Rice, Julio Jones, or Megatron? Who, who Who's the one you're cutting? And I want to know why. 
Yeah, I saw when you did this torturous thing to me. I hate you for it because they all made contributions. Um, but just pick one who you would cut and why. I can't do it. Um, uh, you're evil. Uh, you gotta pick one. If I had to cut one, it'd more likely be Julio. Um, and the reason why is because he, as he, he he's become injury prone. Larry was a strong, stable receiver. Rice got blew up, and he still kept playing. Megatron got blew up, and he still kept playing. So I'm looking for a durable possession receiver. Julio can get the ball all day, but you hit him, you hit him pretty good. He gonna sit down. That's just me. All right, I actually kind of agree with you. Like, like looking at the names, obviously Larry Fitzgerald, who's played almost every game. Jerry Rice, obviously, you say the name, it speaks for itself. Megatron, you say the name, it speaks for itself too. The only name, like, and I'm looking at it from this standpoint too. Like, it was really tough. Like, I was gonna say Larry Fitzgerald only because he he wasn't as fast. As Julio, but I look at it like this: Jerry Rice ran a four-six, and he was always open. And it's the same with Larry Fitzgerald. Like, how is he always open? So, yeah, I will cut Julio because I still got speed with Megatron, and Jerry Rice again ran a four-six and is the greatest receiver ever. People try to debate that. I'm like, you can't debate having most touchdowns. Ever, as a as an offensive player, you know more receiving yards, more catches. Like this dude is phenomenal, and Megatron. Well, when you're six five, two thirty, and run the four three and the forty, and and can catch over three people at any given time. Well, that speaks for itself. So Les Miles is under investigation for his tenure at uh, LSU, um, basically what happened is is that, you know, when players are being recruited, they have what they call, and I'm going to try to be political about this, they have what they call gophers to sway the players to come, you know, play there. Basically kind of give them a glimpse of what could happen if you come to LSU. Even so much so that Les Miles ended up Trying to holler at these girls too. Now, they're they're adults, right? 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. They're adults. So, and although they may not understand what's going on, they just being, you know, they're just doing what, what's asked, asked of them. That's a hard word for me to say, y'all. Forgive me. Uh, you know, it's like, hmm. Yeah, but it, it goes it goes on at every college. Is it right? Absolutely not. But a person shouldn't be swayed by the opposite sex to, oh, you should definitely come here because of this, this and that. You know, but that's what colleges do to, to sway players, football players, basketball players to come play there. Not, not, for, not for the tradition. They just want them to come there now. You know, I want my all my children to go to HBCU colleges because of the tradition behind it, behind them. 
you know, I was like, you know, sure, I would love for my my children to go to like these big name colleges, even if they don't play sports, right? So, but I prefer them to go to HBCU uh, schools. Don't matter where, just want you to go to them. You know, represent your culture. Mm-hmm. Do do it for the culture, not for the gram, for the culture. <laughs> um, your thoughts on it, or you feel, or do you feel the same way? I feel the same way, pretty much. I feel I feel that everything you just you just took everything out of my mouth exactly the same way. So, well, all right, all right. So, Tavon Austin, I don't know if you heard of him or not. Um, he used to play for West Virginia, and he came out with this list that I definitely do not agree with. Absolutely, do not agree with. Well, not everybody on the list, but he came out with this top ten list of the most exciting players in college football. Now, I'm going to give you the list, and I'm going to tell you who I should take off and insert in if he's doing most exciting. So, he has Reggie Bush at number one, Tavon Austin himself at number two, Lane, um, <laughs> Saquon Barkley at three, Christian McCaffrey at four, Johnny Menzel at five, Lamar Jackson at six, Braxton Miller at seven, Peter Warwick at eight, Michael Vick at nine, Jabril, Jabril Peppers at ten. So, immediately... I'm taking off Tavon Austin, taking off Braxton Miller, and I think I might. Yeah, I'm gonna take off Jabril Peppers. So what? Him, hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Please so, speak on Jabril Peppers. I'm, the other two is fine, but no, no, hold on. Hear me out. Okay. So take off Tavon Austin. I'm putting Vince Young in there. Yeah. So. Take off Braxton Miller, putting Barry Sanders in there. He did say of all time. You're right. Yeah. Okay. So, and if I'm taking off, and if I'm taking off Jabril Peppers, I got to put in my mind one of the most exciting players I've seen on the defensive end, the Honey Badger. I knew. He, I knew he was going with Tyron Matthew. God. I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. Shoot, and to be honest. He was exciting. I'm not going to lie. To be honest, uh, I'm not going to do Johnny Menzel like that. John, man, Johnny football, I don't disrespect the man like that. I ain't going to disrespect him like that. <laughs> but yeah, that dude was exciting. I, that was, but but every, everybody else, I'm okay with. Like, the list, I'm okay with. Is there anybody you would take off and replace with? I know for a fact that I'd have, I'd have moved Lamar Jackson up. Right. I, I mean, I mean, well, I'm, I'm, I mean, I don't think he had him in, in any particular order. Oh, um, but Tavon Austin, dude, no. Um, I don't even know who Peter Warwick was. He played at Florida State. He was the <sighs> he was the inventor of the juke move, where he would stop and start. Like he would run, stop, that you go by. Oh, and then keep going. Okay, yeah. see, see, yeah, I, I, you are the. I'm, I'm, I mean, but honestly, I would look. Hypothetically, I can take him off and put Deshaun Jackson because he scored a touchdown every seven touches. Right, the look on your face says it all. Like, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, like, or I could take Peter Warwick off and put Cam Newton. Cam Newton was pretty exciting. Oh man, Cam Newton was a nut. Cam, oh Cam. Right. <laughs> so, but yeah, I definitely would take Tavon Austin off. 
Uh, we had a discussion earlier about Braxton Miller after further consideration. That would take him off. Uh, yeah, Vince was exciting. Yeah, he he really was exciting. Vince was. I just I really wish Steve McNabb wouldn't have died because I think that really influenced his play after he passed. He's been a great mentor. Yeah, because because McNabb was going over there and training the boy and man, I just really wonder what kind of potential was going to be there, man. Right and. I mean, it, it, honestly, it's just a list. Like, everybody's entitled to their opinion, just like we're entitled to our opinion. So, I mean, that's that list. And then um, the top 10 players that came out of Texas from between 2000 and 2021. Um, the list is Vince Young, Adrian Peterson, Mario Edwards, Miles Garrett, Greg Little, Russell Shepard, Red Bomar, Trash. He went to ODU. <laughs> um, Sergio Kendall. Tommy Brockenmeyer, Brockermeyer, don't know who that is. Ryan Mallet. Um, Ryan Mallet? Yeah. He's from Texas. I know who Ryan Mallet is. Ryan Mallet. That's who he put on his list? No, it's. it's uh, Hey, no, but, but, but them coming out of high school. They're, they're oh, they're high school? Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. coming out of high school. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry, I didn't clarify that. Yeah, I about yeah. to say he but, he was bland as cornflakes. To be honest, only two names on this list matter, and that's the first two. Vince Young and Adrian Peterson. Yep. Don't care about the. I mean, Miles Garrett, we give him his respect. Russell Shepard, is he still in the league? No. He quiet. If he is, he's somewhere quiet. Probably with the Giants. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, there are a lot of good players. So, this next topic, I have to save to the end. Um, we gonna get into this. Uh, when when I spoke to Stephen about this topic, we I I told him my wife told me to tread lightly on this topic. Tread lightly. Loop 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 loop. <laughs> like a slow drip. <laughs> So, um, five things to help a woman keep a man. Now, I'm not going to give the the biblical or the Christian on how a woman should keep a man, right? And and you know, just in for me when I first saw it. I told my wife about it and I was saying jokingly, so what did she was like, so what are the five things? I was like, be quiet, listen, obey, do what I say, and something else. You know, and then everything will be all right. And I almost read his obituary yesterday. Yeah, but I was joking. Like, I was not even serious now. My wife always says that every joke has some truth to it. So, that is true, but... I would in, in that moment. I was literally joking. I was not really being serious. So, here are my five things. I'm going to explain them. Stephen, um, he he can either agree with me or not. Or uh, yeah. next week, if if we, if we don't come back, if we don't come back, y'all know why, right? <laughs> um, it'd be all his fault, not mine. It'll be uh, <laughs> you, you, you'll see um, uh, two hearses going by with limousines and people singing "Take Me to the King." Two. <laughs> You're by yourself, bub. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. One hearse. 
<laughs> couple limousines. And Steven's gonna give my bitch uh gonna give my eulogy. Yep, it's gonna be a beautiful one. <laughs> he gonna be like, talk the tread lightly. He wanna trade. He wanna jump jump. Head first in, jump off the diving board, right into it. And crushed his polar school. <laughs> so no and these are in no particular order. The first one is listen to your man, right? Ladies, ladies, listen to your man. Um, listen with an understanding, not a reaction or a respond. You know, because at the same time, you want your man to listen to you, right? Has to work both ways. Um, and by the way, also let me say this. As I'm saying these, this, this does not mean that this is what's going on in my household or Steven's household. These are just, I guess you could say, I, I saw this in a group on Facebook and I've seen people's comments and things like that about what was being said. So I kind of took from them and added it here, right? So obviously listen to your man. Just listen. Listen to what he got to say. Listen from his perspective and understand where he's coming from. You know, because we know women are right 95% of the time. But that 5%, we, we live for it. So just throwing that out there. All right. Number two. And this is, again, in no particular order, and this is not my household. I got to say that because my wife is going to be listening to it. And, you know, I got to lay the bed with her later on the night. So, um, you want to be able to wake up tomorrow. Right. So, <laughs> number two, if a man's working, right, and let's say the children are not home, even if they are, you know, and and I guess this has to work by both ways too. So this this may be something men need to take and consider to keep a woman, right? Mm-hmm. And that's something we'll talk about next week. I told my wife to give me five. She said, "Cause I can give you some. Like I can give you. I'm like I next one hundred and eleven of them. Only one five. <laughs> um, Fifth. Give a man a chance to wind down before you know coming into the household, right? So men." deal with a lot of things outside of the house, right? And I'm not to say that women don't deal with anything. So I'm not saying that. But guys deal with a lot of things with, you know, being looked at funny, being talked to, dealing with other people, you know, whatever the the occupation is out in the world, right? Everybody has a different occupation. So we don't know what monsters, what devils, demons, spirits, whatever they deal with on a regular basis when they're at work. I mean, being in the funeral, being in the funeral business for five years, you deal with a lot of people's emotions, and you have to be in a place where you do not react or respond to how they're acting, right? So, man, there's a chance to wind down. For me, how I usually wind down, I may play my PlayStation anywhere between thirty minutes to an hour, usually on the thirty minute side to kind of relax my mind, get refocused, and things like that. Um, but it could be other things. It could be hitting a heavy bag. It could be, I don't know, reading a book. It could be saying a prayer. It could be any number of things, you know. But give give him that opportunity. And then, again, it also works vice versa. Woman gets home. Let's say the children are not there, and even if they are there, give give the woman time to relax, get her mind right. Um, number three. I might get in trouble for this one. Hmm. Because most women have a hard time of doing this. 
apologize and admit when you're wrong. Kaboom. Um, if y'all hear music playing in the background, that's because uh, my funeral is being prepared. Again, this is not in my household, but I know a lot of women who refuse to apologize for stuff when they're wrong. So just apologize. This is a big one. And I talked about this earlier. Recognize each other's strengths and help each other in, in, in your weaknesses. Um, we all have strong points. We all have weak points. For me, prime example. What I'm weak at is I'm not a handyman. I can admit that. I'm okay with that. Um, but if you see my hands, they're very beautiful. I take real good care of my hands. My feet, on the other hand, that's, another, that's for another day and another conversation. That's a whole month's conversation. But that's something I'm not good at. I'm not a handyman. Um, I don't like to get my hands dirty. I do wash my hands a lot, yes. But if I can avoid from getting my hands dirty, guess what? I put some gloves on in the heartbeat. I know when I'm at work and I have to open up gates, I use gloves. I'm not messing up these beautiful hands that God has given me. Hello. <laughs> And I and I don't go and I, I don't get manicures either. Don't do none of that. It's just my hands are naturally beautiful. Um You ain't never had to punch nobody. Yes I have. And they're still, you know, still beautiful. Uh, this last one is a big one. This last one is a big one. <clears throat> oh wait, wait, wait. You sure you are, you wanna say this one? Yes. Wholeheartedly. This this the hill you gonna die on? Yep. Alright. <laughs> and, and, and you coming with me. I'm gonna bring you along. Come on. Come on, Steve. Um, I I guess. <clears throat> make a decision on what you wanna eat. And then ask. I said it. Ask before you try to eat some food off of my plate. Like one of the biggest pet peeves of my pet peeves of mine outside of stupidity is people playing with my food. Period. I've, I've stabbed a couple of people with, with plastic fork because I didn't have a real fork. So um, playing with my food, playing with my food. I've tossed when I was in the military. I've tossed my my whole tray at somebody for playing with food on my tray. Like, this is the food I wanted, and they thought it was a joke. Ha, 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 I got a joke for you, too. Catch this food in your face. Bink. So, and, like, even, even, I'll be honest, like, like I, I even threatened my wife. I was like, that, that don't, don't play with my food. Like, you, you can ask me first, and let me offer it to you. But don't ever just take it upon yourself to be like, do-do-do, I'm going to take your shrimp. Or I'm gonna take a piece of your steak. Uh, you about to get stabbed? <laughs> Say do do do. I'm kidding, babe. I'm not gonna stab you. Oh man. But but but, but we've had this conversation. Oh. Like we we had this conversation in the dating phase. So it's understood. Um, what are your thoughts on my list? Um, I'm trying not to laugh. I'm sorry, but it's hilarious. You do a bunch of eggshells, so for the walk, go these eggshells carefully. Um, you got a lot of valid points. Um, 
The key thing with any relationship is communication. You got to be able to talk to each other. You have that in your five. Another thing is chemistry. Do y'all read each other enough to know that, hey, I might need to give him or her her space to wind down before we get into things? Again, apologize when you're wrong. I, I will agree with that because that's an effective communication tool. Do you know? How much more can get done when one says that they're wrong? Or if they have been proven wrong? This is my sorry for 2004. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, can, I can attest to that by saying my wife has apologized to me on times and it blew my mind. Like I wasn't ready. Um, that last one, making a decision when you eat. Jesus Christ. That is that is I think that's that should be like a qualifier for any relationship period because that bothers me. Oh, I'm hungry. Me too. What you want to eat, babe? I don't know. What? You said you was hungry. You must crave something. I don't know. I'm gonna let you pick. I don't know because I'm waiting on you to pick something that I might like. So there you go. We going at 15 minutes, and I gotta go through 17 restaurants. And 20 minutes later, we finally make a decision. And then you be like, you know what? I don't want that. That was something else. What do you want? I don't know. Then you start all over again. So, please, ladies, let us know if you want chicken wings, meatloaf, something. Because we will waste a whole hour trying to figure out what you're going to eat. You ain't going to want to eat no more. You're still hungry. Now, I will say this. <laughs> and, and, I, and I'm going to tell them myself. Um, when me and my wife are making a decision on what we're going to eat. She'll suggest something. I'd be like, you know what? I want this. Let's get this. And she'd be, all right. And But then you ask me what I want to eat. Like, and it's not that I'm, you know, <clears throat> like over her or whatever as it pertains to what we're going to eat. It's just, she mentioned something. Then I'd be like, you know what? I got a craving for this. But it's, and it's, and it's, it's, honestly, it's kind of like I'm just writing her off as to what she wants. And... All the time I'm wrong for that. I ain't going to say most of the time. I ain't going to say some of the time. All the time. All the time I'm wrong for that. Every time that I've said, well, I want this. Let's get this. I was wrong. See? See, women, it ain't that hard. It ain't that hard to apologize. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I, I felt the fire coming. I felt the fire. Uh... I'll call you once this is over with to see if you made it, sir. <laughs> Look, the, the heat is coming, and it ain't the Texas heat. And it ain't hell's heat either. Um, So, yeah. I think that should be a deal breaker, though. Like, hey, can you make, can you make a decision on what you want to eat? Like, I need to know. So, because for me, honestly, like, I'm pretty simple to please when it comes to food. Like, if it's food, like, obviously, there are certain things that I don't like to eat. But... If it's something that I like to eat and you, and you make it, I'm going to eat it. I'm like, pretty simple with that. So, final thought. And we're going to get out of here. All right. So, final thought is MLB started, I believe, this year. It's going to start, it's going to start honoring um, Lou Gehrig for ALS every year, annually, June 2nd. And kind of don't agree with it. Actually, not kind of. I don't agree with it. Why are we celebrating a person who, granted, he played baseball, 
Um, but he played at a time where racism was higher than any plane before. And <laughs> and obviously, you know, you didn't want the Negro to play in your baseball, in the white man's baseball. But that's why they created the Negro League. So you were playing in a time where, you know, there was so much hate toward another race that they weren't allowed to play. Like, honestly, one of a movie I saw years ago, um, I don't know if you heard of the train wreck with Amy Schumer. Oh Lord. What what was crazy is that in the movie Train Wreck, her dad was like talking about Babe Ruth, uh, he really wasn't that good. You know, he played in a league where there were no Negro baseball players. Like, that means you, you didn't really have a real challenge. So, that kind of takes into effect, even with Luke Garrick, you know. I mean, I'm not saying that he was a bad baseball player, but why are we celebrating somebody who who has not changed anything? Like, there's, I mean, ALS is a disease. I get that, right? You know, let me not be insensitive to ALS or people who who've had family members deal with ALS, right? That's not that's not why I don't agree with them doing it. I don't agree with celebrating a person who discovered he has Lou Gehrig's disease, this player, and we're honoring it's like it's it's kinda like it's kinda like it's kinda like trying to break even with Jackie Robinson Day. Like Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier. Because he was criticized for being black. And also, he served in the military as well. Mm-hmm. So, served time in the military, I believe it was in World War Two. Yes, World War Two. He served in and he came back to America and still get treated like crap. All Lou Gehrig did was get Lou Gehrig's disease. So, that's my thought on that. Um, of course, got to say this every time. I do not own the rights to any of the music I play. And the song you heard today is a new song. It's called Millionaire by Torn Wells with Kirk Franklin. Cousin Kirk. Cousin Kirk. On the... Stomp! On the ad-libs. And so, I think it's a great song. And the words, you know, tell it in itself. If I had a dollar for every time they said God wasn't going to come through, I'd be a millionaire. Not saying personally, maybe a thousandaire. Not a millionaire. I ain't lived that long. Right. Well, Tony Wells is probably around the same age as us, so. But he young. Me in this culture and climate, folks are so judgmental. Yeah. You get a dollar for just thinking wrong. Right. Well, <laughs> but, I mean, but I mean, but him being in the music industry, you know, him probably being told a lot that he wasn't gonna make it, he wasn't gonna do this, or whatever. You know that that happens a lot with with artists. Mm-hmm. So. All right, we done, y'all. Hope y'all, en- I hope y'all enjoyed this, and please give us your comments, concerns, and if there's something you want us to talk about, you can always hit us up on the Cash Potato Podcast. We do have an Instagram, and we do have a page on Facebook. Look us up; it ain't that hard. Again, this your boy Daydream and your boy Steven. and until next time. Peace. Peace.